perfect time for us to begin our midday program here on a Monday. Scott in here with you. Time for as we get ready to take a look at what we're going to be talking about over the next couple hours. Jason Jorgensen's in here along with Bob Brogan, and we also have Susan Littlefield. Good morning, Susan. Well, good morning. And uh, how are we doing today? Good. It's a little chillier here from where I was last week, but, you know, um, not by much. Listen, uh, we're not going to, we've, we've made a pact not to talk about that, so uh, <laughs> we're just not going to do it. So Hey, I was inside the convention hall and it was like 68 degrees, so mm-hmm. nope. I'm good. Nope, still no sympathy. Sorry, just not going to give you <laughs> What do you got going on today? Lots of things going on. Of course, uh, being President's Day, as everybody knows, markets are closed today. So we are keeping you up uh, to date with all the latest in information coming out, including kicking it all off here at, uh, sorry, the noise in the background, I'm at Cattleman's Classic. Uh, John Greer is going to join me from U.S. Grains Council meeting, talking about the work that he's seen on the action team that he's a part of. And then Brandon will step in coming in at 12.45 about the Blueprint and the Nebraska Symposium. And then it's a little preview at 12.13 and at 1.17. You're going to get Jenny Reese as she talks about some great opportunities, some meetings that are starting tomorrow. And then at 1.17, uh, Shaley continues part two about the on-farm research. That's all kind of tied back to the uh, 12.13 today. All right, very good. You may uh, suggest to the Cattleman's Classic folks so they don't like let, let the cattle walk through the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> sounds, like, sounds like that's what's going on there or something. I don't know. It, it, was, it was a pipe that fell. Okay. Well, okay. Sounds like somebody jumping off a diving board into <laughs> the pool. <laughs> don't let the cattle do that either, I don't think. Yeah, All no right. kidding. Thanks no kidding. Thanks Thank lot, you. Susan. Oh, my goodness. Well, you know, Jason, we uh, we get to winter sports season in high school. You get to January, and then the slide just happens, you know, it go, and it just goes so fast. we got girls' sub-districts this week. State wrestling? I mean, it's crazy. A lot going on. All starts tonight with sub-district action across the state. We will bring you uh, action from the B7 from McCook as Lexington and Holdridge will square off girls basketball. Third time this year, Dusters are 2-0 and against the Minute Maids. We'll have the game locally on Cami Country. Those of you in the Holdridge and Phelps County area, you can listen to that on KUVR tonight. Also, we'll talk Nebraska women's basketball. Another gut punch. Uh, it looked like they would get this one yesterday. They were up five with three minutes to play, and then the wheels fell off the wagon in the final three minutes as the Huskers lost to Northwestern. That would have been a nice victory. Talk about your slide. It's been it's been a rough month. You know, they've just not been able to no. find a way to consistently get over the hump. I know that's cliche, but it's the best way to describe it with that team. They've been right there. Yeah. Get the thoughts of uh, head coach Amy Williams about that. And the Husker baseball team, after they beat up Baylor on Friday night, then they turned around and didn't pitch very well Saturday and Sunday and lost yesterday. One mm. and two. They're out in San Diego this weekend. Yeah. Yeah, we don't want to talk about that. We're not we're not discussing that at this time. All right, we turn it over to Bob Brogan, who's looking for something to talk about. Well, it's the President's Day holiday, and so uh, the markets are closed, but global stocks were mostly rising today. Uh, Shanghai's benchmark jumped over 2% after China's central bank rolled out support for the economy amid that spreading virus outbreak. Wall Street remains closed for the President's Day holiday, but futures for the S&P and Dow were up slightly in electronic trading. Japan's market slumped after the government reported that the economy contracted 6.3% in the last quarter in annual terms. So that's what we're watching. All right, that's all coming up on Midday. 
Time for us to take a look at our weather and how it's affecting agriculture for us and around the world. Paul Perkins in here with me, and uh, it is a diverse day across the state of Nebraska with all kinds of weather going on. I'm just shocked at uh, occasionally popping on the the webcam and seeing what's going on in Shadron. Yeah, seven inches of snow currently on the ground in the Shadron area, and it just keeps kind of snowing there. That compares to temperatures right now in the low 50s into southeastern corner of Nebraska right now. So it's pretty much anything you want in Nebraska for weather right now. (laughs) (laughs) It really is. Well, it's not for everyone. But if you took a, you know, kind of the the, uh, northern boundary of Custer County, everything south of that, pretty good. Everything north of that, Eh, not so much. Exactly, yeah. From basically uh, northern border of Custer County on into uh, West Point, Norfolk, and that area, some light scattered rain in those areas, but it does turn over to snow where it is colder as you head towards the Nebraska Panhandle and portions of the Sandhills into western Cherry County. Not a big area of snow, but just no. a lot of snow that continues to fall towards the Shadron area. Because of that, they do have a winter weather advisory in effect for the northwest corner of the Panhandle. does include Shadron and Alliance for some snow. Many areas expected to see at least two to four inches of snow, but as we mentioned, we have a seven-inch snow total reported in the Shadron area right now. Winds also gusting as high as 35 miles per hour towards those areas, and temperatures into the low and mid-30s across much of northern Nebraska into the Nebraska Panhandle. But otherwise, a lot of us in the low to mid-40s for actual air temperatures. Then as you head towards southeast Nebraska into central and east Kansas, those temperatures in the upper 40s to the low 50s. And because of the weather farther out to the west, I-80 and Highway 30 westbound, once again, this is westbound from Big Springs to the Wyoming line, is closed. Now, it's not due to bad roads in much of the southern panhandle. It's due to blizzard conditions west of Cheyenne with some strong winds expected for today. And once again, that winter weather advisory, northwest corner of the panhandle until 8 this evening, for at least two to four inches of snow, but we've had reports of up to seven inches in the Shadron area and winds gusting as high as 35. In behind the passage of a cold front today, our temperatures cooler than yesterday, but still above normal for this time of year. Northwest winds also on the breezy side today on the backside of low pressure starting to move into northern Iowa. A little more rain and snow will be possible in the west and central later today and tonight with the approach of a weak area of low pressure from the northwest. It's coming from the northwest, so usually you don't get a lot of moisture with those kind of systems. Tomorrow we will be seasonal and mainly dry before some Arctic air drops our temperatures to as much as 20 degrees colder than normal on Wednesday. The chances for accumulating snow also increasing during the day Wednesday and then tapering off for Wednesday night when an area of low pressure expands southeast across the plains. Right now, just expecting light accumulations of a few inches at the most. Most areas, if you go from the, the Tri-Cities and the Lexington area and points off to the south and east, only expecting right now about an inch or less, but that could change with that cold air in place. Thursday through the weekend will be dry with a nice warming trend when a ridge of high pressure builds onto the plains. In the latest long-term forecast, the warmer than normal temperature is only expected to stick around for this weekend and very early next week in Nebraska and Kansas. Colder than normal air will expand from the west by the middle of next week and last through the 1st of March for slightly cooler than normal temperatures. Above normal precipitation is likely this weekend through the 1st of March for Nebraska and Kansas. That overall risk for flooding this spring is near to above normal in the latest outlook from the National Weather Service. The increased threat is due to higher river levels left over from last year and the elevated soil moisture. There are several typical indicators for flood risk that are below normal, though. 
and those include little to snow, little to no snow cover right now, and most rivers have lost their ice, leading to low to new, near zero on the ice threat. Uh, come here and, <clears throat> excuse me. <laughs> it's all right. Okay. Don't, don't get all <clears throat> choked up here, Paul. Okay, it's, yes. it's really sad. Live radio at its best here. Compared to this time of year, with the difference including the lack of significant river ice, <clears throat> let's go to a break. All right. <laughs> we'll finish up after the other side of this. <laughs> we'll come back in just a moment. Keeping up to date on expanding markets, that was part of the U.S. Grains Council's meeting that took place last week in Tampa, Florida. John Greer, who represents the 2nd District for the Nebraska Corn Board, is also a producer from Edgar. He talks about the action team that he's a part of. It is a great opportunity. You know, the fastest growing middle class is in Asia. We have talked about uh, the ethanol um, being introduced into Asia. There's some, hopefully some emerging markets there that will take a couple, a couple of billion gallons if we can get into those markets. We um, have talked about, uh, well, Japan and Taiwan, uh, Korea. Uh, we're, now we're into Southeast Asia, and it's it's really an exciting time to be where we are. And I think it's an exciting time in agriculture. It's not going to happen overnight. And I, I hope that people believe that and, and realize that, but it's going to happen eventually. Cause, because you have to sell this product into those markets. And you have to convince the people that they, that they are a good product. And he describes to me what they're looking for when it comes to grain quality. Right now, distiller's grains are, the, are huge all over the world, and especially in Asia. They're using distiller's grains in poultry, in, in hog feed, in some in, in dairy, and, 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 and aquaculture, which is a, a, a growing industry. The biggest feed mill in the world is located out of Thailand, believe it or not, and they consume a lot of U.S. grains, distiller's grains, and they have plants all over Asia, some in, in China, in, in Vietnam, in, in other places in, in uh, Asia. Right now, the fastest growing, growing um, economy in Asia probably is in Vietnam, and they certainly have done a um, great job of, you know, putting out animal protein and using distiller's grains and, and other sources. And one of the uniqueness about it is they're importing U.S. products, but it's giving them a chance to expand within the country with the hopes of becoming an exporter. So you never know. It could come full circle back to the U.S. I think it is. It's, you know, it, it's a win-win thing. We, we can provide them with something. They provide us with something that we can't do here and they can't do there. So it, it's a win-win for everybody concerned on this thing. And we're all one big family. We all want one thing, and that's to have a good life. And so we're helping, hopefully helping a lot of folks attain that and helping a lot of people to, to become um, self-sufficient, to, to become or to enter that middle class and to become a lot better providers for their families. So I had to ask John, how does his action team and the information he learned at the U.S. Grains Council reflect back? to that Nebraska grain producer. I think in Nebraska we have to realize that this is a big world. With 95% of the population living outside of our borders, we have to engage and we have to be part of this worldwide picture of feed production or, and our corn and our DDGs certainly 
and, and ethanol right now are becoming part of that. So it's an opera. I'm just reading a book called The World is Flat, and I, I think that, you know, it's making a lot of sense to me now. The world is flat because we have all these different interlocking cultures and interlocking relationships that are producing food and fiber to, um, to better the world, to better the population of the world. That's my conversation with John Greer from this year's U.S. Grains Council meeting that took place in Tampa, Florida. I'm Susan Littlefield on the World Radio Network. Time for us to check in on sports on this Monday afternoon. Jason Jorgensen in here with me. It has been a tale of two seasons for the Nebraska women's basketball team. They started with so much promise, but, man, it's been tough down the stretch. Yeah, so close yet so far away continues to be the storyline of Big Ten action. Huskers took 19th-ranked Northwestern to the brink yesterday, actually leading by five with under three minutes to play. But the Wildcats scored the game's final nine points to escape with a 60-56 to win. Head coach Amy Williams says not being able to finish really hurts. We had that play for Kate Kane. We had a couple of great opportunities and just couldn't capitalize down the stretch. And um, more disappointing was just, you know, giving up nine points down there you know we needed to get those stops and the stops we were getting throughout the whole game to kind of keep us in there um you know we gave some open looks williams made her comments on her post game show on the husker sports network leah brown led nebraska with 14 points off of the bench huskers slipped to 16 and 10 overall they are six and nine a big 10 action Husker baseball team ended its opening weekend on a sour note as the Huskers fell to Baylor yesterday 7-2 in the rubber game of that three-game series. Huskers were actually up 2 to nothing after the top of the third, but the Bears responded with seven unanswered runs to put the game away. Huskers ended up losing that series two games to one after they routed the Bears on Friday night. Head coach Will Bolt says... And you needs to pitch better. You know, we, we did some good things at the start of the game today. Cal Perry, I thought, yeah. was really good out of the bullpen. Uh, we just weren't good enough on the mound, basically, for the entire weekend. That was, you know, it's kind of, it's difficult to win. you got to play perfect baseball, um, you know, when, you know, you're giving up, you know, five, six, seven runs. we gotta, we got to get some guys to come throw strikes out of the bullpen and, and kind of extend the games for us. Bolt made his comments to the Husker Sports Network. Nebraska returns to action this weekend at the Tony Gwynn Legacy Tournament in San Diego. They will face off against San Diego on Friday night. The Daytona 500 is scheduled to begin at 3 our time after being postponed by rain yesterday. It's the first time the NASCAR season opener has been rescheduled since 2012. And best of luck to all of the teams that begin sub-district basketball action tonight across the state. So the road to Lincoln begins tonight. All right. Everybody's 0-0. That's right. right. That's right. (laughs) Thanks, Jason. Center for Women and Information Technology announced their 40 award recipients and 360 honorable mention recipients. Among those was Lexington High senior Marissa Rodriguez. Rodriguez was a recipient of the National 2020 Award for Aspirations in Computing because she taught herself multiple languages with the use of computer technology. Rodriguez talks about what comes with the award itself. In previous years, there's been a $500 reward in a computer given to the winners. And there's also a fully paid trip to their location in North Carolina, where they will set you up in a hotel, set up your flights, and set up the driver. You get to go and hang out with all the girls there and just talk about your interests in 
computer science and computers. The Nickwood Award is supported by Bank of America, where winners will get to visit their headquarters on March 6th through 8th, 2020, for the celebration and networking with Bank of America employees. Nickwood recognizes women for their aspirations in technology and computing, leadership experience, and tenacity in the face of barriers to access such things. A political dispute between the Kansas Senate's top two Republicans over abortion and Medicaid expansion has escalated. The Senate president from Wichita distributed an editorial to newspapers across the state this weekend, defending her moves to block a bipartisan Medicaid expansion plan drafted by Senate Majority Leader Jim Denning of Overland Park and Democratic Governor Laura Kelly. Abortion opponents argue Medicaid expansion would lead to a taxpayer-funded abortions if a Kansas Supreme Court decision protecting abortion rights isn't overturned. The U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, in coordination with the Platte River Recovery Implementation Program, plans to release water from the environmental account stored at Lake McConaughey this February and March to improve downstream habitat for threatened and endangered species. The planned release will be similar to historic river rises. The implementation program says the flows help remove vegetation from the riverbanks and keep the river wide and shallow with bare stretches of sand. This provides a safe place for whooping cranes and other birds to rest at night, allowing the birds to keep predators in sight and provide sandbars for nesting for least turns and piping plovers. A man accused of tossing a dog onto a frozen southern Nebraska lake has pleaded not guilty. Gosper County court records say James Pollock entered a written plea Thursday to misdemeanor animal cruelty. Authorities have said Pollock threw the dog onto the lake, causing it to land on its back and break through the ice. Austin Van Buren is accused of taking video of what happened during the January 4th incident, and Van Buren pleaded guilty Friday to attempted animal cruelty. Reporting on the Rural Radio Network, I'm Austin Jacobson. On Friday, the University of Nebraska Kearney hosted a symposium at the Eunice Conference Center in Kearney to help support and develop those themes and action plans based around the Blueprint Nebraska Project and its report released in July of last year. The executive director of Blueprint Nebraska, Jim Smith, talked about what the agenda was for the day and what he hoped to accomplish throughout the program. Well, first of all, Blueprint Nebraska was always intended to be a very organic grassroots effort. We did not come in with large staffing and try to create a top-down approach to growing our economy. The Blueprint plan was always intended to be something that all corners of the state could recognize themselves in. And so that's exactly what happened here today. Chancellor Christensen had reached out and said, you know, UNK wants to lean in and lean in heavily on the Blueprint initiative. We see ourselves playing a role in central Nebraska. And in my opinion, I think UNK uh, will play a role in much more than just central Nebraska. But what they're doing today is they wanted to bring a number of people from the uh, Kearney area into the discussion process to better understand how they see this working and playing out for the economy of central Nebraska. So we're in breakout sessions right now to, around the people, the places, the tax policies, and the growth sectors. And they're having some discussions around that. They're going to take that back and compile it. They're going to share it with me, but they're going to actually create their own blueprint plan 
based on those four growth themes. And that's what we're really hoping to see happen across the state, that this really catches fire because we have to regionalize the solutions. I mean, you cannot have a top-down approach. You cannot have broken bow working off a plan that's created by Omaha and you can't have Lincoln working off a plan that's created out of Sutton, Nebraska. You have to regionalize some of these issues but there are common themes here around the people, places, government and growth sectors. What do the next six weeks, even six months look like for the Blueprint Nebraska process? We are working on finding the right points of collaboration. We don't want Blueprint to drive this effort alone, so we're reaching out to civic leaders across the state to begin to build out regional teams around each of these issues. And now there's probably going to be a couple of these that will be more of a centralized approach in dealing with tax policy and incentives policy. We will be in the very near future announcing the formation of a team, a working group and advisory committee around incentives and tax policy that will work probably the uh, next two quarters of this year in putting together a comprehensive plan to fold into Blueprint Nebraska that will support the ideals of Blueprint Nebraska. Shortly on the heels of that, we'll be doing the same thing around the four growth themes and then moving into education and the revolutionizing of education. The day-long program began with welcoming remarks from UNK Chancellor Doug Christensen and then a panel discussion. After that, a breakout session among many other activities. In his opening remarks, Chancellor Christensen talked about the need to be very deliberate and intentional as rural Nebraska develops the Blueprint Nebraska process, and especially how UNK will fit in and help rural Nebraska grow. To us, intentionality is really strategic priorities. And so in the last few years, you have seen us sit back and try to look into that crystal ball and say, okay, in five and ten years, where do we need to be? And so one is early childhood education. The Levon Plambeck Early Education Center that was just dedicated is a very intentional act on our behalf, not just to have a building for good early childhood, but we think that's one of the growth areas and we think that's one of the key areas for business. So we've got to be able to train people on how to identify early childhood issues, how to fix them, and how to move that out and teach other communities how to do that. The second one I would think is STEM, and you will see that STEM building of ours open up this summer probably. That's very intentional. We just didn't say, well, what do we do? We need a new building for something. Uh, we sold it that we need to have a STEM focus. We've purposely realigned our colleges to get ready to, to do this point. And so what we want Blueprint Nebraska to know is this just didn't start up overnight. This just isn't something that happened. These are very intentional acts on us to look into the future. We're thrilled that Blueprint would recognize them, that they're also high priorities for them. I think that's what puts UNK in a very, very good position going forward. We've got people who can look to the future and say, this is what we need to do before it's a crisis. Darren Robinson cited the Blueprint Nebraska statistic that 41% of those who attend higher education here in Nebraska then leave the state. How is UNK and the larger Kearney Tri-City area looking to address that issue? Those numbers aren't unique to Kearney. They'll include Creighton and uh, UNO and UNL, obviously on the east side of the state, which are very close to other states' borders and, and so on. But for us, most people who come here to Kearney want to stay and work in the area if there were jobs. 
They like the area. They like the natural resources. They like the safety and the size and friendly communities that are here. But we can't do that for everybody. And so our goal is to try to keep them in rural Nebraska. So initiatives like the Health Science Education Complex, where we're keeping those cohorts of professionals keeping them in rural Nebraska because they were educated in rural Nebraska has been very, very successful. We know that if a student comes from Colorado and goes to UNK, we've probably got a four in five chance to keep them in the state if there is a job. And quite frankly, we're a very attractive state in terms of taxes, even though people talk about all of our taxes. If you look as a whole for those young people coming out who don't have major investments in real property, very competitive state, and uh, they love it here. That was just a part of my conversation with Jim Smith, the executive director of the Blueprint Nebraska Project, and UNK Chancellor Doug Christensen. Tomorrow morning at 740, we'll continue the conversation with both Smith and Chancellor Christensen and learn more about how rural Nebraska will benefit from the Blueprint Nebraska process. With the Rural Radio Network, this is Brandon Bennett's. It is time for us to take a look at our uh, business report here on Midday, of course, a little bit of a different day. It is President's Day as we, uh, I guess, celebrate the presidents. It's usually a good day for a white sale, if I remember right. But anyway, uh, no business, go- no markets going on. But, of course, the business world keeps on churning. And Bob Brogan uh, has- gives us the news on that. Markets are mixed in Asia with Japan's benchmark slipping eight-tenths percent after the government reported the economy contracted in the last quarter. China's shares got a boost after the central bank stepped in to help the economy with a rate cut, extra buying of securities and tax cuts. Markets, of course, are closed in the U.S. for President's Day. Wall Street closed out last week with major indexes notching a second straight weekly gain. Trading subdued amid the reports about uh, the growth of that new virus and uh, what that means for the world economy and uh, the world's health, quite frankly. U.S. dollar mixed against North American currencies in New York trading. It's worth $1.32 Canadian dollars down from late Friday. And how much does it cost to raise a child? Millennials have reported sticker shock at how much it costs. According to a new Better Money Habits study from the Bank of America, more than half said they underestimated the cost, while almost half said they feel restricted in what they can do financially due to the high costs associated with parenthood. To raise a child born in 2015, the projected cost is $233,610, according to the U.S. Department of Agriculture's last Expenditures on Children by Families report in 2017. A more recent report from Merrill Lynch also echoes this six-figure price tag, which factors in grocery, health, education, and child care costs necessary for raising a child to the age of 18. So that's the way it looks, and lots of people surprised. Uh, as somebody with four children, uh, I'm not. I'm not either. Okay. with our discussion surrounding Nebraska extensions on Farm Research Program. I'm Shaley Peters, joining you on the Rural Radio Network, and we continue our discussion with Jenny Reese. She's a Nebraska Extension educator. Of course, we talked about in that first part, Jenny, the meetings officially kick off this week. A lot of great information to share from this past growing season. Let's shift now to talking, though, more about the program itself and some of the opportunities uh, you guys offer with it. Tell us just more about the program in general 
Yeah, so on-farm research has been actually occurring for over three decades at this point within Nebraska. And it's not something that growers have to, it's not something that they pay an entry fee for or even apply for. It's just something where our growers are attending a lot of different meetings this time of year and they're reading things about different products and production practices and may wonder, will this work on my own farm? And that's where on-farm research can can play a role for the growers to test this in a scientifically valid way on their own farms. So how it works is if a grower is interested in trying something, they can contact their local extension office and um, the local ag extension educator can work with that grower to design a study that fits his or her um, basically goals and objectives as well as their equipment because we try really hard to make these practical because if they're not practical and they're not easy to do then nobody's going to follow through with them so we want to make sure that we're getting valid data but also in a way that it's easy for the growers to do and then from there um, it's just a matter of the growers following the protocol that we set out the extension educators and specialists work with them on data collection and then at the end of the year we help them understand the results share the results with everybody then um, via various meetings and via um, our website all the studies are posted on our on-farm research website too now i know some of this warmer weather recent warmer weather has my producer itching to get back in the field certainly and i think a lot of guys ready to get back in the field thinking about 2020 and on that note jenny it's not too late if they have something in mind for this next growing season not too late to reach out to you guys and start their own project oh absolutely it's never too late and actually shaley sometimes the growing season even presents opportunities for unfirm research too so Um, If they're interested in trying something out, they can certainly contact us now. It doesn't take long at all to put something together with them and um, get that back to them. But even, you know, just because we give them a protocol, it's not like they absolutely have to. If something changes for them in the spring, then they don't have to do that study. You know, at the end of the day, it's up to them. But in season, like we've had situations where hailstorms have happened and guys wondered about if they should replant or not. And so that becomes an opportunity for on-farm research or even like last year with prevent plant acres. Some guys wanted to try even some different mixes, cover crops or something like that. So there's a lot of different opportunities for growers. Okay, thanks so much. It's Jenny Reese, Nebraska Extension Educator, talking more about their on-farm research program. If you happen to miss her first segment, talking about the meetings coming up and where you can find them, you can visit RuralRadio.com. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Um. Property taxes, they continue to be a constant issue for the Nebraska legislature. In an effort to get rid of property taxes and literally all taxes, Senator Steve Erdman of the 47th District has put forth an amendment to the Nebraska Constitution for consumption tax. While in Bridgeport on February 15th at a town hall meeting, Erdman explains the tax. The consumption tax that we're going to put in place would remove all taxes we now collect, property tax, income tax, both corporate and individual, 
inheritance tax, and sales tax. And that would be replaced with one flat rate consumption tax. And that would collect a sufficient amount of revenue to replace all revenue now we currently collect. So there'll be no drag on the, on the economy or the tax collected by those entities. It's revenue neutral. Erdman says LR300CA is a solution for property and other taxes. The petition would require income tax credits to offset 35% of property taxes paid by homeowners, farmers, and businesses at a cost of about $1.5 billion. Erdman says the tax will do little to hurt the lower-income residents of Nebraska. There'll be a prebate back on the consumptible items that they purchase, food, clothing, and those things, equal to the poverty level. So it is great for low-income people. And... For example, a family of four, their annual consumption percentage would be actually 5.32% after they get the prebate. So some have said this is going to be detrimental to medium-income people and it's going to be detrimental to low-income people, and those are both false statements. John Hansen, president of the Nebraska Farmers Union, says his organization has looked at similar proposals through the years. He adds ag wouldn't fare as well as one would hope, and even smaller local governments might have troubles. We don't think it's a good idea for agriculture at a time when we're losing political clout and population uh, in this in rural Nebraska to put ourselves in a position where the state collects all of the money and then local government sends their request into Lincoln. At the end of the day, the final judgment about how much money goes back to local governmental subdivisions will be whoever has a majority of the votes, and that will be Omaha and Lincoln. Herdman says he has strong support for the constitutional amendment to make the change from a variety of taxes to the consumption tax. Hansen says this could be true, but there is no telling who will be picking up the bigger share of the load. Well, we know one thing can't be the case, and that is everybody in Nebraska's taxes can't go down and we still have enough taxes to run the government. We, we know that doesn't work. So there's a lot of people that are supporting this because they're fed up with current tax policy. They're desperate to try something. The legislation resolution 300CA would need yes votes from 30 of the 49 senators on final reading to appear on November's general election ballot. With the Rural Radio Network, I'm Chabella Guzman. That's going to do it for our midday program here on KRVN. To hear today's midday program in its entirety, go to podcasts on KRVN, brought to you by Divinity Motors. Howdy folks, this is Rick from Divini Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram and McCook. When you're ready to buy a new vehicle, expect that our hardworking, experienced staff will treat you just like family. Go to DaviniChryslerJeepDodge.com today. And remember, it's not a deal until it's a Divini deal.